0: Hey, Cinephile fans, Well, we're back with another one of these 2020 intros as well for this Christmas day that we're dropping all four previous episodes of the Cinephiles Christmas episodes. And we're doing new intros for you all. And this one is the one I think I'm most excited to talk about it real quickly with Steve is Scrooged starring Bill Murray. And is it Karen Allen? I always get it confused. Is it Karen no. Allen? Yeah, Karen Allen uh, and so many great character actors throughout this movie, uh, including Bill Murray's brother uh, in a rare uh, appearance in a film. Uh, Carol Kane, uh, uh, David Johansson, so many great people throughout this movie. And it's the, uh, Ameri- it's, a, it's the modern telling, so to speak, of A Christmas Carol. And it's very funny. And Steve, it features one of the most authentic moving genuine monologues ever seen and captured on film and ironically by one of the most sardonic and sarcastic
1: people ever captured on film bill murray i i I think that monologue it's so funny i remember when we did it and the movie is really funny you got great uh comedy chops all around you've got some scenes that are just really well constructed there's great jokes and and you have this character, and this is the interesting thing about Christmas Carol mm. stories. Is I think you know because all sorts of TV shows and Simpsons and movie, there's all sorts of versions of the Christmas Carol out there. Yeah, I think this might be closest to creating a real Ebenezer Scrooge because Bill Murray is terrible. Yeah, he is a He's... horrible, horrible person, and mm. the fact that he redeems himself at the end with that speech, that speech blew me across the room hmm. like what like the honesty and the pain and just it just feels so real what bill murray does at the end of that movie uh and he had to see
0: um the pain he had caused whereas the ebenezer one is like yeah i was dedicated to this and dedicated to that when you see it here in a modern retelling it allows someone say who isn't really connected to the period time period that uh Charles Dickens' classic is set. It allows a person to connect it to this modern telling, this modern updated thing of a broadcast TV executive who is who went from wearing, uh, being a mascot, wearing a dog uh, uh, mascot outfit to running the network. What that journey must have been like, and the sacrifices he made to get there. Were they the right sacrifices? Right, we're reminded of Thanos. What did it take? <laughs> What was the price you had to pay? What did it take? Uh, you know, it paid everything. Was it worth it? You know, and those, those, things, those are the questions you ask yourself all the time. And in this uh, film, you really get the uh, answer very powerfully from Bill Murray at the end about what, wh- how important it is to uh, appreciate your fellow human and how important it is to appreciate the community of, be- of
1: mankind itself. Again, my friends, this is why you listen to the Cinephiles, because there is no other place that can give you a Scrooge Thanos comparison. That has <laughs> never happened anywhere else. Only here on the Cinephiles can you hear such a thing. <laughs> Um and I, and it makes perfect sense to me. Um, I also think it's it's funny something we talked about. You know, we 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 re releasing "It's a Wonderful Life" today, mm-hmm. and that is a movie that has real darkness. Yeah, and so is this. Mm-hmm. And I think that you need sometimes you need darkness to show the contrast, to show the light. You mm-hmm. can't, and that's why you know Bill Murray in that last speech and that version of Tiny Tim saying "God bless us, everyone." It's a wallop because yeah. it has been so dark and so Absolutely. difficult. Absolutely. So this is, you know, mid 80s, great version of the Christmas Carol. Absolutely. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our breaking down
2: of Scrooged. You want to save somebody? Save yourself. Oh, well,
3: that's a wonderful attitude to have on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas.
2: Bahama. <laughs>
1: Welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film, we explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California.
0: Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) My my name is John Roga. Uh, I am one half of The Cinephiles. Uh, I'm a voiceover artist, writer, producer, host over at Collider Video, also on the Top 10 Show, and numerous shows over on the Collider Sports channel on YouTube and podcast there as well. Um... And I am so looking forward to this one. You know, Steve, we did... What we do? It's a Wonderful Life last year. Two years ago. Two this years ago. This is our third Christmas special. What did we do last year? Miracle on 34th Street. Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. yeah, such a fun film uh, that I had seen, for, I think, for the first time yeah. before we did it. So I'm. Steve asked me, he's like, what film do you want to do this year? We kicked around some ideas, and when Scrooge popped up, it just seemed like the right thing for both of us, and so... Uh, I'm incredibly excited to talk about this film.
1: This is one of your favorites,
0: right? Yeah, it really is, like bar none. And I don't know how much of a deep analytical philosophical explanation <laughs> you're going to have from Scrooge, but this, this is more like as a thank you to the fans and as a Merry Christmas to the fans of the cinephiles as
1: well. Well, what's funny to me is that we have, on the one hand, the classics of holiday films. Yes. It's a Wonderful Life and Miracle... And I believe we went the other way. <laughs> like, this is a dark, yeah, funny, 80s kind of take
0: on Christmas movie. Yeah, and this is our first version of the Christmas Carol story that we've ever done on the cinephiles. Well, that's, so the thing,
1: funny. that's the thing I wanted to talk about because mm. it seems to have a very unique place in history. Yeah. Uh, and so I will go back and t- tell you a little bit about the Christmas Carol. Um uh, so it was written by Charles Dickens in 1843, and what's interesting is this was the time in the Victorian era where England was first kind of changing their way of doing Christmas. Mm. They were starting to adopt the Christmas tree and Christmas carols, and a lot of the Christmas traditions that we see today started in this era in England, and, and it's really interesting that Christmas, because of, I think that and because of the Christmas carol, has been locked into this, when you see Carolos going around in costumes, they're going around dressed in Victorian England clothing. Like a lot of those imagery comes from this moment. Dickens was in deep financial trouble at this moment. Uh, he's uh, He had grown up uh, in with, in lots of poverty. His father had gone into a debtor's prison and he had been uh, put to a shoe blacking factory when he was 12 years old. So it was child labor. And this started his real love of social causes and of defending the poor which you see in great expectations you Mm -hmm. see in oliver twist you see and you certainly see in a christmas carol Mm -hmm. and unfortunately he was in some bad financial trouble because he had formed his own company and his last book that had come out had bombed and he needed some money fast and so it was like well let's there's this popularity of christmas stuff let's do a christmas story he wrote it in six weeks wow it came out in um on December 19th of 1843, and it was sold out by Christmas Eve, December 24th. Wow. The whole run of the book sold out in five days.
0: How does that work? Do you think there was a review?
1: I, I you think it probably review? went on Twitter or some you ye yeah. old tweet storm. <laughs> tweet storm. Well, that's what's amazing is, yeah. like, is that it, the word spread so fast. Yeah. And I mean, Dickens is a hugely popular author of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there were 13 editions of the book by the end of 1844. Wow. So within one year, 13 editions came out. And this is the thing that's so amazing about this story. I don't think there's anything else. I've been racking my brain to think of something else that has the level of a Christmas carol in terms of how much it's been done. Mm. So there are a ton of plays, both regular plays and musicals that have been done. Some of them are like annual traditions at various theaters. One theater where I worked, which is the Glendale Center Theater, where I was Mm the stage manager there when I was in college – It just did its 50th production, 50 years straight of every Christmas doing A Christmas Carol. It is the longest running adaptation of a play in theater history. I went to as a kid at ACT Theater in San Francisco. Every year, my parents would take me Mm -hmm. to their annual production of A Christmas Carol. It's been in something like 20 movies, depending on how you count it. It's been in a ton of TV shows, too many to count. There's a Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol. There's a Bugs Bunny Christmas Carol. Yep. There's a Flintstone one, a Br'er Rabbit one. I remember the Happy Days one. Oh, yeah. There's a Petticoat Junction. There's Bewitched. There's The Odd Couple, <laughs> Sanford and Stun, WKRP in Cincinnati, Alice, Family Ties, and The Six Million Dollar Man of course. all have, which is funny because of Lee Majors who shows up in this movie. Right. They all have, and I'm trying to think, it was like- where is another story? I mean, there's things like Romeo and Juliet that have been adapted. Sure. There's the the uh, birth of Christ and the crucifixion has certainly been told many, many ways. But I can't think of anything where it's just you take this idea of the person who's a bad person on some level having this visitation by multiple ghosts and past, present, and future, and that changes their lives. And it's been done. And, of course, we have Muppet Christmas and all sorts right. of – I mean, there's tons and tons of Christmas carols. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else like it. No, I think it's a great point, Steve,
0: because it, there isn't anything like it. I mean, you could you could look at It's a Wonderful Life as maybe maybe the first or second greatest Christmas movie ever made. It's my favorite by Bar None, right? But we don't have multiple renditions of it. In it's been remade once or twice, right? But we That's don't it. exactly, and we don't see multiple renditions like in like TV shows or. In certain uh, other media, we don't see that. This is the one story that people love to tell over and again. I think it's because it's rich with characters. It's an interesting story. Who hasn't known someone like a Scrooge in their life? And then all everything that's... And then the journey he goes on... It tells all of us that no matter how evil or bad or terrible our life has been or how we've treated people, there's still a chance for us to turn it around and be better persons and be better people in the world. And it reminds us that charity and uh, the business of man or women both should be the business of everybody. You know, this is very interesting. And, and I think that's a very why.
1: simple, strong moral core. Yeah, and a structure that obviously can be applied to everyone from the fawns to Bugs Bunny <laughs> to uh Kermit the Frog and mm-hmm, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um George C. Scott. Yeah. George C. Scott. That's a great one by <laughs> the way. Yes. Um so do you remember how you first came to Scrooged? Scrooged? Yeah, I went and saw
0: it in the theaters because I was at that age where I could go see these movies in the theaters, and the trailer was hilarious, and being a big Bill Murray fan coming out of Caddyshack and SNL and uh, a couple other things before, Stripes, I was super excited to see Scrooged, and... Uh, it was at that time. Was it eighty like eight, eighty nine? What is eighty eight? Eighty eight. Yeah, it's at that time where I'm. I'm eighteen years old, so I'm. I'm going to the movie to see, yeah. you know, see movies on my own, to see it with friends or whatever. So I do remember going to see it in the theater, and it just like just made me laugh and. Very sweet story between him and, uh, is it Nancy Allen or Karen, Karen Allen? Karen Allen. That, that story between them is so sweet that uh, that's the thing that brings me back to the movie over and over and over again. Uh, the humor is great and the, the images of the ghosts. And so that's always stayed with me, which is why I, I try to watch it. Every year around Christmas, and sometimes
1: even before Christmas, it's so funny. So, to- totally the same thing. Saw it in the theater with yeah. my friends, huge Bill Murray fan off of all the same movies that you love. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, this was on VHS and we watched oh, it yeah. all the time. Yeah, I don't think I'd watched it in 10 years, probably. At this wow, point. yeah, okay. Well, you know, I just don't watch movies as much as you, yeah, yeah. So, there's a and there's and particularly it's the era of 19 mid high school, like 84, mm, right until like film school 94 where i watched tons of movies over and over and over again yeah, yeah, yeah. and since then i still watch a lot of movies but i don't have that same i will put that movie i've watched 20 times in again mm-hmm. and again and again i don't do that so much um but i i really really liked it um, a little bit of pre-production it's written by uh mitch glazer and michael O'Donoghue. michael o'donohue oh, snl is like the we i don't know if you know much about him but Take a look. He is the strange, bizarre, angry, mean, crazy genius of Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like he was a difficult, complicated, sexist, opinionated, stubborn, sick sense of humor, brilliant guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they wrote it, and they wanted uh, Bill Murray to do it right away. It was written for him, and they gave it to him two years before they started, and he didn't want to do it. And this is something I really didn't know. I Mm -hmm. can't believe I didn't know it, is that he kind of quit acting. Yeah. After Ghostbusters and Razor's Edge, he was like, he couldn't handle the failure he felt of Razor's Edge yep. and the success of Ghostbusters. And he was like, this is not for me. And it took him a long time to bring him back mm. to acting. Um, and finally they 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 decide to do it. It's a $32 million budget, of which six million is Bill Murray. Wow. Which is a huge amount of money back at that time. Especially
0: for a guy who hasn't yeah. acted that
1: much. Um the producer of the film is Art Linson, and he has a great list of movies including Untouchables, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, F- Fight Club and a movie we just talked about, Heat. What? He's the producer of Heat. Wow. Also produces Scrooge. Wow. Um and Murray wasn't happy with the script and so he worked quite a bit with the script and before he ad- agreed to join the movie and and the biggest thing it sounds like was really working on the relationship with Claire the Karen Allen character. Mm-hmm. He really needed that to be working because otherwise, and I agree with this point, it is just a movie about a really, really horrible person. Yes. Without the Karen Allen story, it would not, I don't think it succeeds. That's why it
0: brings me back every time.
1: Here's another, so this movie is directed by Richard Donner. Can you believe this is our third Richard Donner film? Wow. Because we did Superman and Lethal Weapon. Mm -hmm. So it's weird, like we've done three um, um, John Carpenter films Mm -hmm. and three Richard Donner films And that's sort of up in our big leagues of, you know, Kubrick and Spielberg. And, you know, we've only done one Curaçao film. We've only done done two Orson Welles films. And yet we are now doing our third Richard Donner film. It's insane. Who are we? Well... Well, but what about our Hitchcock
0: films, Steve? We have done w- zero so, Hitchcock so films.
1: So this is, I believe that January will officially be Ooh. the month of Hitchcock. Like the month of Wells last year. Yep. Or that earlier was, this year. Yeah, it was It was. It was uh, January of this year. And maybe this should be the cinephile's tradition, that every January we pick another director that hasn't gotten the attention they deserve and really do a whole month devoted to them. I love it. So I think it's going to be the month of Hitchcock. We, we are not announcing yet what those films mm-hmm. are going to be or exactly what's happening in the month of Hitchcock, but it's coming. Yeah. Apparently Donner and Murray had trouble on the set.
0: No, not Bill Murray. He said, I've I've never heard nothing but glowing recommendations about him. It seems
1: like it was a little tough.
0: Jesus, he's such a prick sometimes. Like you hear these stories yeah. about him, and he's such a prick on set.
1: Um yeah. and uh and, and and Bill Murray had a tough time, and one of the reasons he had a tough time on the set was that. He had mostly been in ensembles Mm -hmm. Is that Ghostbusters is an ensemble right? You know, Saturday Night Live is obviously an ensemble Even doing Stripes He is still, it's still more of an ensemble And now he is the lead And he thought it was lonely And also he liked to improvise He didn't like to stick with the script So it was a little, little tough Donner, what he said about him was You don't direct Murray, you pull him back Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a very smart Sort of way to approach it would you like to get into Scrooge? Let's do it. We start on the North Pole.
2: <laughs>
1: it's beautiful, idyllic elves working in Santa's workshop. Yep. There's slides, there's presents, there's a chubby, jolly Santa, and something looks like maybe a shooting star coming down, and it looks... No, that's not a shooting star. <laughs> <laughs> That is an attack. The North Pole is under attack, John. <laughs> There's gunfire. There's like, it's scary. Scary stuff is going on. And and what does our elves and Santa do? Well, they run over to the cabinet and pull out. Automatic, automatic weapons, weapons yeah, because they're gonna fight back, and you're going, what the heck is <laughs> happening here? Guy pulls up on a snowmobile, dressed in white, comes in, everyone backs up. Who's this guy gonna be? He's got a big gun, pulls off his hood.
2: It's Lee Majors, oh. the six million
1: dollar man. Yeah, man. Six million dollar <laughs> man, son. And that's when we realize that we are in a commercial for the night the reindeer died. <laughs> 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 Cut to another commercial with uh, Robert Goulet's Cajun Christmas. Goulet. Then <laughs> we're into um, uh, a Leave it to Beaver promo.
3: Hi, Mom. Where's Dad? Should have been home by now. Well, Wally, if I know your father is out chasing beaver.
1: Father loves beaver.
0: And we should say this before we get too deep into the- it. This is a very 80s film. It's a very dated film, but for those of you who grew up in the 80s, it has a special place because the references, you get
1: all of them. And it has some uh, some darkness in its sense of humor. Oh, you know. Sure. Which, by the way, I did watch it with my seven-year-old. And? He loved it. Oh, Although okay. Although there is one thing that freaked him out, and he's had a couple of nightmares. Oh, really? I'll tell you when we get there. Yeah, yeah, well, I got, but he I loved got a the movie. feeling. He thought thing. the movie was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And now we cut to we're in a board meeting with Bill Murray, and it ends up that these are the new commercials for the IBC Christmas season. Here on IBC. You'll love it. It's not a great slogan. <laughs> and he asked to show me the Scrooge promo. And we go into a commercial that starts on a book, and we pull back to see John Hausman. <laughs> and we hear all this stuff about this movie that just sounds insane. Yeah, Live via satellite from New York, Bethlehem, Helsinki, West Berlin, and the Great Barrier Reef, Charles Dickens' immortal Christmas classic, Scrooge. Starring Buddy Hackett, Jamie Farr, the Solid Gold Dancers, and Mary Lou Retton as Tiny Tim. (laughs) There's like satellite hookups all around the world. This is a huge, huge project. And we end with Christmas Eve on IBC.
0: You'll love it. (laughs) You know what occurred to me in this moment uh, watching it this time? IBC could have been IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. (laughs) Maybe that's a little joke by Donahue about it, but. I don't know if they had that term back then.
1: So Bill is not pleased with this promo. Yeah. And they've apparently sunk $40 million into this thing. Which, by the way, the budget for Scrooge is $32 million. So this is quite a lot of money for a TV show.
2: We have spent $40 million on a live TV show. You guys have got an ad with America's favorite old fart reading a book in front of a fireplace. Now... I have to kill all of you. I have to kill all
0: of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. And that's uh, um, Bobcat Goldwaite there yeah. sitting out there. And also, uh, I forget that actress's name, but she's Richard Donner's wife. Oh,
1: oh, who's the assistant? Yep. No, that's, no, no, not Afri Woodard. The one who's sitting there, the blonde. Right, right, right. Who's right. pouring him the drink system. Yes. Oh, that's right. Because she is in Lethal Weapon. Yes. I think she's as one of the women with the- Oh, as a psychiatrist. Yeah. That's right. Yes. I had forgotten that's who that is. Mm-hmm. He goes over to Bobcat Goldthwait and puts his arm around his head and <laughs> touching his ear and then flicks his ear. Yeah. And he, then he says,
2: Here's the kind of thing I would have done. Grace, cue it up. Oh, boy.
1: And the camera pushes it on Bill as we see...
2: <laughs> Drug addiction. <laughs> International terrorism. <laughs> Freeway killers. Now... <laughs> It, it is important, important to, remember to remember the, the true, true meaning of Christmas. Christmas.
3: Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Screw.
0: Me. Your life it might just depend on it. And he's mouthing the word.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing Is this ridiculous? Sure. Yes. Literally, can you turn on nightly news and it says tonight at 11? Your child's school lunch might kill him. Yeah. Tune in. Your life might depend on it. Exactly. I mean, like, literally, we have stuff like this all the time. It's true. It's very know? true. And so, is it extreme to put it with and ridiculous to put it with Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol? Yes. Is our networks trying to scare the crap out of us in order to get us to watch stuff? Yes. yes. Yeah. Good point. It's after
0: the meeting. And it's a fantastic satire, this film as yeah.
1: well. After the meeting, a Louder Milk, which is the Bobcat mm-hmm. Goldthwaite. A uh, character comes up to talk to Bill, and he kind of has a problem with that Scrooge mm-hmm. promo. <laughs>
2: well, you can't show that commercial. If you run that, you're gonna you're gonna frighten people. You think I'm way off base here? Yes, you're. Well, you're a tad off base, sir. Um, that thing looked like the, the Manson Family Christmas special.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's and, the Manson Family. <laughs> and there's this great moment where he says, "If I can change it, I'll let you know in five minutes." Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. And Loudermilk thinks he's being serious. Yeah. Like he's actually going to change this when in fact he's just drawing him in to fire him. To fire him. So he turns to Alfred Woodard, his assistant, who's basically the Bob Cratchit character in the yes. story, yes. and says
2: Call security. Have them change his locks, clean out his desk, and toss him out of the building.
3: Oh, he's fired? But it's Christmas.
2: Thank you. Call accounting. Stop his bonus.
0: <sighs> and then they even have a code for it. Code nine, code nine, yeah, which she begrudgingly does, you know. But she needs the job, she which we find out later because she has kids
1: and a kid with an affliction, yeah. And she, I mean, she's working for a truly horrible person because the next thing he does, spots her kids' drawing on the wall, and gets mad because it has 11 (laughs) fingers on Mrs. Santa Claus or Mrs. Claus instead of 10. Tosses that away. Louder Milk is crying down on the, on the, on the plaza below the building and out come the security guards and who is watching louder milk through a big telescope but frank Frank. bill murray because this is kind of fun Mm -hmm. he likes watching this stuff he pours himself a nice drink tab and vodka (laughs) that's a funny drink and we're getting into a conversation about what do we give people on our christmas list the two choices are towel towel yeah or a vhs most of these people are going to get a towel yeah and including the question is how about his brother? His only brother. His only brother. Yeah, towel. But you see, Bill
0: Murray. You see in Bill Murray's acting, this hesitation, this uncomfortableness about it. Yeah. And then he gets frustrated and takes the book back from. Like, I'll just do it. Give me the book. I'll just do it. Towel.
2: Towel. Just across his office. Towel. The agent. Uh, thank you. Most of these are towel.
1: He's such an anger at everybody, such an anger of, this, of everything. One of the things I was thinking about, and, and, and this is this one scene where I think this does kind of come up. Hmm. So Ebenezer Scrooge is cheap. Yes. Both with himself and with everybody else. Mm-hmm. He is uh, penurious, uh, I believe is the big, a big Ooh. word to use. Um, and Bill Murray is cheap. Frank uh, mm-hmm. Cross is cheap. But I don't know if I feel like that's his motivation. Like Mm. he's trying to hold on to money. There's almost more of a meanness. Yes, no, there's no... Yeah, it's not about holding on to money. It's a meanness. It's a power play. And when you start to
0: go through the movie, you start to see where he came from. Yeah. And so you start to understand, not accept or think it's okay, but you start to understand where his meanness comes from. Yeah. Because to get to where he got to, he had to adopt this personality and shed himself of any attachments in order to that's hit what he this believes wall. that he had to do. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's what he believes he had to do. Right or wrong. That's what he believes. So
1: he thinks he's just following the path that he's supposed to follow. Right. Because he's the youngest yeah. executive in TV history. Yep. And uh speaking of which his boss is coming down so he's got to chug down his drink. Um and in walks Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum
0: <laughs> and this is that period where he was doing he was doing films and it was near the tail end. Yeah. yeah we're, we're at you, the end. Him and Cape Fear he, he Cape Fear as well. He has a small part there right. as well. So yeah. Um, it's great. And one of the greatest voices ever on film.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen Cape Fear in forever. That's oh. another one I... Oh, that's an unsettling. It's movie. a very difficult, difficult movie. Nothing beats and we're climbing hearing, out from one of that car. We're hearing a little bit more about this big uh, Christmas carol, including yeah. that Mary Lou Retton is, in fact, playing Tiny Tim. And it's she's going to, at the end, throw away the crutches and double somersault and backflip into one of these things, <laughs> which is the... Yes, I just demonstrated. The presentation with the hands out, yeah. Um, well, I wonder also, Steve, 84
0: was when she won the gold medal with the Olympics right. and it's 88 which is Olympic year oh so maybe this coincided as well for Mary Lou to sure. stay kind of in the conversation
1: It is a ridiculous yeah a ridiculous ridiculous thing I had the biggest crush on her growing up Sure I thought she was cute as hell she's cute yeah absolutely and what's what's uh, his boss concerned about is cats yeah
2: I have here a study from Hampstead University which shows us that cats and dogs are beginning to watch television. Now, if these scientists are right, we should start programming right now. Within 20 years, they could become steady viewers. Programming for cats.
1: And we find us big money in pet food advertising. And maybe we can do some more cats and <laughs> animal things on TV. And you see what Bill Murray, what Frank Cross has to deal with with this guy. Yeah.
2: All I'm suggesting is that we occasionally throw in a little pet appeal. Some birds, a squirrel. Mice. Mice, exactly. You remember Kojak and the lollipops? What about a cop that dangles string?
1: That's his gimmick. Lots of quick, random action. And they finally come up with the idea well, we should have some dormouse. No, dormice. They're better. And we're going to add them to Scrooge. And Frank just goes, yeah, we'll own Christmas. And I love, too, that, he, that he's walked uh, his boss over to the elevator, and his boss is holding on to the study in the elevator as the elevator doors close and says, study this, but has not handed it yeah. to Bill Murray, who then has to reach through and grab it. <laughs> That's a great little small bit yeah. of comedy. And coming out of the other elevator is Bryce Cummings. Yeah, <laughs> John Glover. John Glover. He is so full on in this. He's a great a-hole.
0: Yeah. He's just such a fan. Whenever you see him in any film, he's such a fantastic a-hole. And for years on Smallville, he was Lex Luthor's father. Lex Luthor's dad. So good.
1: Yeah. So he's great. And we obviously see that there's immediately competition and anger from Frank because John Glover is clearly moving in on his position. Mm -hmm. Um, And
0: so effortlessly.
1: Yeah. So effortlessly. And this is stressing Frank out. So he goes to talk to Grace and he needs a full report on him. And and he's going to have to stay late and work with her. And she's trying to get out. No, I have a, my son has a doctor's appointment and he says, when I work late, you work late. And then he goes into this insane speech.
2: We're indivisible. If I'm working late, you got to work late. If you can't work late, I can't work late. If I can't work late, I can't work late.
1: Apparently one of the things that Richard Donner kept wanting from Murray is bigger and louder. And I think this is one where you really see the bigger and louder, which Murray didn't always like doing. Yeah, Um,
0: He's a subtle guy.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that's going on is his brother is waiting for him in the office. And this, I think, is James Murray, his actual brother. Um, And he's like, why were you so rough on her? And he gets to this thing of, you know what they say about treating people badly on the way up? And Murray's response is, yeah, you got to get to treat them badly again on the way down. (laughs) Outside, he's walking down the street and there's a... Uh, street Musicians there, mm-hmm. which is Paul Schaefer <laughs> and Miles Davis. <laughs> Miles, this so insane. Yeah. But he's not a fan of the Street Musicians. Right. Um, and his brother's like, you know, you don't like Christmas much. And he goes, no, I love Christmas. Like it. I love it. It's
2: cold and people stay home and watch television. Ad revenues go up 30%. All these idiots are going to be home watching a boob tube for me tonight. I am the biggest fan that Christmas ever had.
1: But then his next moment is...
2: You can have your concerned and wonderful dinner with all your cool friends and the, the real popcorn on the tree and cranberries and everything. Yeah. Send Christmas cards to each other on recycled paper. It's a crock, James. It's for kids. You know, I like seeing you. I like being with you. I want you to have a happy new year.
1: But He's not coming to Christmas dinner. Yeah. No way. I don't trust someone that doesn't like Christmas.
2: I just don't. I
0: think you, I, 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 I did not like Christmas for the longest time. And Vogel kind of turned me around about it over the last few years, the last, what, 15, 20 years. And so I've, I've come to love Christmas. because It's at least that one time of the year where you can kind of recapture what we were supposed to be as a species. And I think it's fantastic in that way. But a lot of people hate it because they find it to be fake or not true or they don't like the old big old hullabaloo being made about it. But I think it's important to remember that we could be better than we actually are. And the celebration of that is what I always cherish about Christmas.
1: The the possibilities of better and the hope for more. So I, as a Jewish kid who grew up celebrating Christmas... Which is a weird sub. Subspe- of which Vogel's one. Too. <laughs> yes. He's another Jewish kid at Grow Celebrating Christmas. I totally love Christmas. Yeah. But I totally hate the hypocrisy, the commercialism, the crap, the sure. all that stuff. Yeah. I hate, I, there's a lot of phoniness and the phoniness bugs me. But what you just described, I love. I love Christmas morning. I love the traditions. Mm-hmm. I love the ideas of kindness and gentleness and all that stuff. Yeah. And I love Christmas movies. Yep. Um, like this one. Like this one. Um, <laughs> he needs to get a cab. <laughs> There's a older woman with some packages who's tra- hails a cab. Such a jerk. <laughs> he kind of distracts her and yep. steals the cab and horrible. Yeah. A horrible, horrible person. Yeah. He's making some speech in which he says, "I like to give. Sometimes I find myself hurting from giving so much." <laughs> Gets a little trophy? Yeah. Uh, Louder Bobcat goldthwaite is walking home. He's got a brown paper bag with some booze, goes to take a drink, splashed by the taxi mm-hmm. that Bill Murray is in. Um, and he drops the bottle and breaks his first bottle of booze. Now, who is supposed to be loudermilk? correlative to- I don't think he's- he, I, he okay. yeah, I don't think he exists. Okay. I don't think he exists. Okay. Because he's Bobcat is his own thing. Yeah, interesting. Well, I think there's a bit of a bait and switch because I think when the movie starts and he's abusing Bobcat, you go, "Oh, that's that's Cratchit, Cratchit. yeah," but it's not in fact. Mm-hmm. Bobcat is not Bob Cratchit. Hey-oh. that was uh, well that was kind of weak. Well said. I don't know if we'll keep that in. I don't yeah, know if I'm pleased with it. Now I have to keep it in. Yeah, you,
0: but it could be a version of Bob Cratchit, just not the same version. It could be that him and Alfred Woodard are like Bob Cratchit split in two. A little bit. Because he a does not bit. abuse Grace the way he abuses Milk and the way uh, Scrooge abuses right. uh, uh, Cratchit in the original right. story.
1: Yeah, uh, He's not a good tipper for the cab. <sighs> what a shock. Yeah. Um, leaves his statue that he got award, whatever, in the Careless. cab. Walks into the lobby. He's greeted by the doorman very nicely. He's not nice to them. Nope. And we cut to Grace, who is leaving that doctor's appointment with her son.
3: Yeah, $200. I don't have to tell me that you don't speak your mother no you don't speak
1: yet and then she's like you're going to surprise a lot of people you start talking you become a lawyer and then you sue his butt off <laughs> and we get a little bit of the story and this really is the tiny Tim character yep. it's this kid Calvin who cannot speak yeah. um Bill's in his office pours himself a nice tab and vodka <laughs> uh there's a knock kid so- tab was big in the 80s kids <laughs> still not a good mixer with vodka oh no or um, a good soda um there are people that loved Tab and were so upset. And you can still get Tab in uh, Mexico. You can, yes. And people, wow. people will apparently smuggle it back. Wow, really? They love that it's stuff. Tab, yeah. That's why I feel when I see an RC Cola, I'm always like, "What? They still make these things?" I Kind of like RC Cola. I'm just like shocked they still make. I like it. RC Cola better than Pepsi. What? Yeah, you're. Right. I'm a Coca-Cola guy. You're an insane person.
0: Pepsi's the best. It's funny. I'll take Pepsi yeah. over Coke, but. Coke
1: Zero over anything Diet Pepsi, Definitely or Pepsi Max. Max. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, my dad. So Coke, my dad. There was no drinking. My dad didn't drink. He was a the Coke, dentist. He was an optometrist. I'm sorry, optometrist. Yeah, right. so no, no connection to that. Sorry about. He that. wanted to see straight. He didn't want blurred vision. <laughs> that was what it was. There we go. Uh, but he. Uh, Coca-Cola was but that was the beverage. That was like the and we weren't really allowed to have it. And every once in a while we would get a Coke. My dad could, if you served him a Pepsi in a restaurant it didn't tell him, he would he would call the waiter over. Oh, of course. He's like, I ordered a Coke. Yeah. This is a Pepsi. And they're like, sir, I'm, i assure you it's a Coke. It's like, no, don't lie to me. <laughs> I know what a Coke is. Yeah. Coca-Cola was big. My my dad collected Coca-Cola memorabilia. hmm Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, Coca-Cola like I think that's what separates
0: Coke from all the others. Oh, sure. Is the memorabilia that comes with it. It's I such tied to Americana. This is a
1: digression, but if you're, yeah, sure. have you been to the Coca-Cola? This is not the top 10 show, so we won't digress too much. <laughs> have you been to the Coca-Cola Museum in Atlanta? No. Oh, it's the best. It must be amazing. It is, okay, it is literally, you pay money to go into a two-plus-hour commercial for, for Coca-Cola. Oh, wow. And I loved every you go through the there's like you know videos and imax movies and you go through (laughs) the history of coke and you see all the old products of coke and then at the end of this thing you go into a room with like a million not a million probably 50 different fountain dispensers of all of coca-cola products from around the world so you're take tasting like weird african sodas and chinese sodas and japanese things and so me and my family and my son, like we're just like drinking so much damn soda. It was the best. Wow. Yeah. So right. so shout out the Coca-Cola musician the museum. Uh and all the profits should go to the Cinephiles. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a knock at Frank's door. Yeah. And he says, Who's there? And then the door starts to shake and the, and the door is bending, and he grabs a gun and the door explodes. In walks Lou. Yeah.
2: woo That was a good one. Hi, kid? You were, uh, will you excuse me? I'll make myself a little drink.
1: John Forsythe. He is great in this it's scene. Oh, so good. Bringing his golf clubs along. Unrecognizable. Totally. The voice is there, but unrecognizable. Yeah. Asked to make himself a little drink, and Bill Murray opens fire. <laughs> And I like that he's yelling, bang, bang, as he's shooting him. This is a silly movie. Yeah.
2: I don't mind you hitting me, Frank, but take it easy on the Bacardi.
1: On the Bacardi. Um. And then a mouse pushes a golf ball oh, out of his head. That scene is disgusting, man. That did not bother my kid. He was totally fine what? with that. Yep, no problem with that at all. I didn't remember how much stuff there was. So I might not have had him watch it. Uh, fair. But, you know, you do what you do. You make your terrible parenting choices. <laughs> And you have the classic joke of now he drinks the booze and it pours out of his body. Yeah. And then we find out this is his old boss, his best friend. And, and I love the moment where Bill Murray's struggling to say, but you're yeah, dead.
2: Seven years. Has it been that long? Jeez, I, I mean, to look at you, I wouldn't have guessed more than three
1: tops. <laughs> And he's here to change his future. Now, I don't yeah. think we have to inform anybody of what the plot yeah. of, Christmas of Christmas Carol is. This is Jacob Marley, mm-hmm. who's coming, who's his old business person who's coming to stop him from sharing his fate. Yeah, um, It's such an interesting way because, I mean, it's, it's all set within a TV structure. Right. Right? So it's, it's this way. And instead of saying it must have been some undigested bit of potato yeah. that's making him hallucinate, he says, it must have been brought on by Russian vodka poisoned by Chernobyl. Chernobyl. <laughs> Talk about dark, Talk man. about in 80s jokes. Yeah, true. And he tries to argue with him, and there's a moment where uh, Lou grabs him.
2: Big silence!
1: <laughs> and then Push says, you're going to be visited by three ghosts, all the stuff we know that's going to happen. And Bill Marsh says to go, oh.
2: God, tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of the week is a washout. Ouch. Well, maybe we could have drinks, say Thursday. You and me, the ghost. Trader Vic's
1: around four. No joke, right? (laughs) And Lou picks him up and walks to that window and pushes him through the window. (laughs) Through the window. It's so great. It's such a
0: great effect.
1: It is. It's a really good effect. Yeah. And (laughs) ah, ah, (laughs) he's freaking out. And he starts reaching at his arm. And the arm finally starts to fall apart and breaks. (laughs) And he falls, screaming. And then he's in the (laughs) office. And everything's fine. And he looks over at the phone, which is dialing itself. And we hear Karen Allen's voice.
3: Hi, this is Claire Phillips. I'm not here as usual. Leave a message for me and I'll call you right back. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Uh, Speak at the beat.
1: And he runs to the phone and leaves this desperate, desperate message. This is Frank! Cross! I know it's been... I love that he looks at his watch.
2: Fifteen years since we talked, but... I really need to talk to you right now. I, something terrible has happened.
1: And then he looks and notices the office is fine and goes...
2: Or maybe not. I don't know. But I, whatever, I have to talk to you no matter what. It's urgent. Call me at any hour. My number is 674-9565. 674
1: 674-9- And then he drinks the what's left of his vodka, and what comes out of his mouth? Golf, golf ball. ball. So it really happened. <laughs> So well, here's the funny thing. We were watching uh, this movie with our friend Wendy, and at one point, then she, as we're talking about the movie after, she said, "Because my son is asking questions," and Wendy said, "Oh, well, because he had this was all a dream," and I went, "Was it? Like there actually is a possible debate of did Scrooge hallucinate and dream?" the ghost of Jacob Marley, or was he actually visited by Oh, you mean in the story? In the story. story. Absolutely. Yeah. Could be a very powerful dream that changes his life. Sure. We've all
0: had those dreams where we come and we're like, that was too real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this all happened. Sure. That's my feeling. Sure. The atheist that believes in ghosts. Okay. In the movie. I mean. In the story of the movie. (laughs) Go ahead. There was no Ebenezer Scrooge. Cut it out, He's fictional. No way. Uh. in the bible (laughs) i love by the way with the golf ball that he drops (laughs) it and it keeps bouncing (laughs) not quite physically realistic but still funny but uh, you know once again and and before we move too far past the john forsyth
0: character it's so great what he says to him you know like you in the book i should have been about the business of my fellow man right not about building the money up and doing whatever and what and he starts to tell frank you need to do this and Frank's being such a dick. Whereas the original Whoa. Ebenezer Scrooge is always just like, oh, I don't know. I don't want any part of this. I don't know. Right.
1: The, Frank is a jerk. I, it's hard to say that f- who's like a worse person, Frank uh, Cross or Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. But they're both horrible in their own
0: ways. Well, I, I think Ebenezer Scrooge in the original becomes successful from a determination Whereas Frank becomes successful at being a jerk. And I think there's a difference there.
1: Well, and I think Ebenezer Scrooge is just sad. He's yes. sad, yes. lonely, it's, angry... It's a tragic story with him. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Frank is horrible. Yeah, I mean, for... Ebenezer Scrooge is horrible, too. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have a, we'll a Scrooge-off. <laughs> We're at Grace's house. Uh, Get to meet her family, which seemed very nice. And then they complain about not having a tree because, you know, well, when trees are free, we'll get them. Yeah. And then we see that they're decorating Calvin, her son. Which
0: means... He is paying her nothing. Nothing. To be his, almost nothing to be his assistant. Nothing in terms of comparison to a high-powered executive secretary. She'd be making almost six figures. She was, he was paying her
1: piddly ones. Well, and this is where it's also, and again, it's, the movie is the movie, but yeah. it's like, couldn't you done, you've been here five years, you couldn't find a better job yeah. than this guy? Oh, well, fair enough. But it's, it, it, the movie is the movie. And there's just this great shot of the son who's covered with yeah, the yeah. decorations. and just looking sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, and you're like, oh, okay, this is their lives. Um, next morning, they come in with the news report that an 80-year-old grandmother died from watching the Scrooge promo, and Frank's response is, this is terrific.
2: I knew that, Edward! You can't buy publicity like this!
1: It's a horrible, horrible person. Yes. And now he comes up with the idea we should run the promo with a disclaimer. Heart condition, people with heart conditions must leave the room. Mm. Ugh. There's no no publicity, no bad publicity, just publicity. Um, We're on the set arguing with the censor because she doesn't want to see nipples on the solid gold dancer. Wow. And his response is,
2: I want to see her nipples. But this is a Christmas show. Well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples then.
1: Which is funny. (laughs) I find that a funny line. Oh, okay. Um, I thought maybe you knew something about Dickens' obsession with nipples. Listen... If you if you read closely in Pickwick Papers. <laughs> oh, the Pickwick Papers are <laughs> very clear. Um, and uh, <laughs> and as he's talking to the censor some guys come up with a lamppost which as they turn he ducks, she doesn't, the censor gets knocked out. Right. This is a joke that's going to come back a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of physical comedy in here, a lot of slapstick. Yeah. Um, and then who shows up but Karen Allen. Yeah. And she calls him Lumpy. Lumpy.
3: Lumpy.
1: And his reaction and Bill Murray's performance, every time Karen Allen is in the room, is just lovely. Yeah, you see just an incredible look on his face. I know this is controversial.
0: This is my favorite role of hers over Marion Ravenwood. I just think she lights up this, the the film every time, every second she's in it. She just radiates this warmth and energy and you can't help but be attracted to that as you're watching it. And by I don't mean attracted in a physically sexual way. I mean just you're like a moth to a flame when she's on camera in this movie.
1: I totally agree with everything you're saying. I'm still struggling in terms of her performance mm-hmm. and the glow that comes off of her and the smile and absolutely she's like angelic. Mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of my all-time favorite movies. So it's like hard for me to go yeah, you know it is in fact the first movie ever done on the Cinefox. It is. Um, but she is unquestionably amazing yeah. in this thing, and their chemistry is really, really great. Yep. Um, as he's talking to uh Claire, the dance choreography calls him over to say, Hey, I got something to show you, does a little five, six, seven, eight, and the solid gold dancers go into their routine in the middle of a Christmas carol. And I believe that this is the last filmed performance of the Solid Gold dancers oh. in history. Wow. I, I believe. That. Okay. Because the show had been canceled, uh, and so this is it.
0: Yeah. For you kids out there, Solid Gold was a show every week where they where they counted down the songs, the credit songs, and Solid Gold dancers would come out and dance, do routines to those songs, and occasionally the artists would show up and lip-sync those <laughs> songs, never sing live on Solid Gold. So, really, you don't need to go back and watch them. I don't know. Some of those... We're Those all go dancers were certainly sexy.
1: Um, Claire is worried about him because he mm-hmm. sounded like last night that he had seen a ghost. Yeah. A ghost? And he's trying to play it off. He just ran across her number and she's like, no, I know your scared voice.
3: I know you, Lumpy. I know that voice. That was the frightened Lumpy I heard.
1: And now they're interrupted by the mouse that is going to be the door mouse. But now we got to get antlers on him. Got staple antlers on him, and he can't get the antlers on. And he, yeah, exactly. He just stapled the antlers. Claire doesn't like the stapling the antlers idea. (laughs) I love that shit, and I love that just staple the antlers on him. Yeah, And, and I love the moment where she goes like, "If you staple this mouse, I'll call the Humane Society." And he says,
2: "Same old Claire, still trying to save the world.
3: You still trying to run it?"
0: And that's just such a beautiful window into their relationship. And, you know, who knows you better than the person who actually legitimately loved you? Totally. She knows and he or he knows all your sounds and all your comment and knows exactly
1: how to hit you. And right as they have this moment of connection, he is looking just past her and starts yelling.
2: Get out of here. You called me. Who are you anyway? You little worm. Who are you? How'd you get in here? Well, maybe you'll answer some questions downtown, huh, my friend?
1: And who is he grabbing? Calvin. Yep, Calvin. The little kid. This is horrible. Yeah. Grace runs up. What
2: the hell is going on? This
3: is my little boy.
1: And his response is, All
2: right, you beat him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. It's certainly a product of the 80s, like
1: I said. Um, um, And she just thought it would be fun to have him see a live TV show. <laughs> to which Frank's response is, anyone having fun here?
3: Why are you so angry?
1: Why haven't you ever learned how to button a coat? Well- and again, that connection mm-hmm. just snaps back in every time they're looking at each other. Yep. And he apologized for calling her because he might have woken up her husband yeah. or kids. <laughs> no, she's never got married. Yeah. He's never gotten married um and there's a lot of hammering going on and he's having a moment with the girl so he keeps yelling to have them hold the hammering and she's asking about last night and he's trying to play it off again he yells to hold the hammering and she says well if you need to call me call me where i work that's where i'm more likely to be she gives her a card and he says he'll definitely call again he asked to hold the hammering
2: would you please for the love of god and your own body hold the hammering
1: (laughs) um i love this hold the hammer yeah And now uh, Grace has come up because the Times wants a quote on the grandmother thing. And he says, oh, just say it was something she ate, which she starts to say. And then he grabs the phone. and gives the bullshit response of IBC is deeply saddened by the tragedy. Hold the goddamn hammering. The guy stops hammering and the entire set collapses. (laughs) I don't quite understand the physics of this exactly, but that's what happens. And when that whole set crashes down, what does the set crash down on? The The censor who says, oh, shit. Thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Let's go to lunch. Yeah. We're having a nice lunch with the boss. And we talk a little bit about the ridiculous of this show with there we're going to switch from Berlin to Africa where the Holy Father will be blessing the Zulu nation. It'll be the largest baptism of all time. Mm-hmm. This is really silly. Mm-hmm. Um and who walks in but John Glover. Yeah. Again playing amazing asshole. Mm-hmm. And his little watch alarm goes off cuz it's 12 and we hear from the voice of the ghost, that you will be visited by three ghosts starting at noon. And then we go into this weird close up of John Glover as he's talking and Frank's reaction, his eyes and going wider and wider. And then he finally figures out, oh, this must be John Glover's doing this. Ah-ha! Ah-ha! It's just an awkward it's science, so awkward. and Glover keeps going. And, and and Bill Murray's performance through this whole scene yeah. is just fantastic. Um, the waiter comes up to deliver their highballs and comes in a drink, and there is an eyeball in the drink. <laughs> now he's freaking out by the drink. By the way, the waiter does a great job yeah, oh, yeah. in this scene. It's very very funny.
2: Terribly sorry. I. Are you him? Are you him? Are you he?
1: <laughs> yes. Um. And he goes, take it away. And the waiter's like going, oh, yes, I'm so sorry. I will take away. And of course, as they take away, no eyeball. Yeah. Uh, and there's a guy lighting a baked Alaska. Have you ever had baked Alaska? No. I'm not a big fish guy. <laughs> baked Alaska is ice cream. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. It's ice cream on fire. I always thought it was. Uh... Like salmon or something? Yeah, I thought it was salmon. No, baked Alaska is ice cream that has been lit Ooh, on fire. Really? Yeah. Why do they call it baked Alaska? Because it's on fire. Oh, and because it's, I don't know, I think it was traditionally served on, like, cruise ships going to Alaska. That's a little bit full of shit. Okay. Maybe it's because that's where I first had it, was on a cruise ship going to Alaska. (laughs) Um.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) 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 I'm not a knowledgeable about food, man. I don't do podcasts about food. You're, you're going
1: to get there, though. I w- Yeah, right. My girl's going to teach me. That's for sure. Would, I- by the way, of the flaming desserts baked Alaska would not be my highest recommendation. Okay. Fair enough. Bananas Foster, I would say, would be my highest flaming dessert recommendation. Okay. That is delicious. Okay. I can I can make you that, too, yeah? sometime. Sure. All right. Get some alcohol, some brown sugar, bananas, some light tab. it on fire. Some Tab. Of course, Tab. <laughs> that's more as a chaser. Of course. I'm down with that. Um, And what he sees is the dude making the Bake Alaska is slowly lighting on fire. Yeah. And he is freaking out, and no one knows why he's freaking out. And finally, he says, I'm going to go have some air, throw some water on the guy. And then his line is, and this line I find problematic at this point, but he says, I'm sorry, I thought you were Richard Pryor. Hmm. Yeah.
0: But I don't know. Doing the show for years with Matt, stand-ups are brutal towards each other. And it's supposedly a badge of honor to be as brutal as possible to each sure. other. So I bet
1: if Richard saw that, he'd probably laugh his ass. Off. Probably. Um, and he slips on his way out and he heads outside, hails a cab, and there's a normal cab there. But then this other <laughs> cab pulls up and that is the one he gets in. Yeah, man. And immediately that cab starts just driving crazy. He's so good in this role.
2: Relax, Frank. Enjoy the ride. How do you know my name? I know absolutely everything, Frank. You see, I'm the ghost.
1: And he looks at his driver's license. says, ghost too. of Christmas past. And uh, wait, I didn't write down his. is David Johansson. David Johansson. so, so oh, the he, New York Dolls. Yeah, so this is David Johansson of the New York Dolls, also known as Buster Poindexter. Yes, yes. He's fantastic in this. So good, Really, man. really funny.
0: He's on the, like, I, uh, Tom Waits has worked so much. As an actor, it's surprising to me that Johansson didn't work mm. more because he's so good he's in
1: this great part. In this thing. And then we head off into the, oh, and he, he starts smoking and the smoke goes out of his ears. <laughs> yeah. And then we drive into this huge thing of smoke as Bill is screaming uh, and the ghost covers his eyes. and There's lightning and there's flashes and we see the fair taking back and we realize this is time taking yeah. back to the 50s. Mm-hmm. A la. Uh, back to the future yes i think it very much feels like that mm-hmm. and we come out of the fog and get out of the cab as the cab is you know filled with smoke apparently there's smoke so smoke so much smoke at one point that he was he coughed up blood bill oh, Murray. Shit. Did, from inhaling so much of this stuff um and Where are we and he, yeah what you mean when are we yeah and he says take me home okay yeah and Go uh they get out of the smoke smokeful cabin. That's when he realizes this is where I grew up. Yeah. And he tried. One of the most interesting things, I think, is that he goes, oh, I guess my dad hasn't put up the Christmas lights. Trying, yet. To, trying to save face. Right. Like in this totally surreal, yeah. you just yeah. went back in time with a ghost and a cab. Right. You're still trying to save face. <laughs> he says, oh, I get it. You're going to take me back in time and show me my mom and dad. And I'm supposed to get all gooey and blubbery.
2: Well, forget it, pal. You get the wrong guy. That's exactly what a Adiladon said.
1: But when he saw his mother, Niagara Falls. <laughs> One of the things that's weird about this movie, by the way, is his TV network is literally making the Christmas carol. Mm-hmm. And he's not, there's not a lot of, oh, so you're the like I'm Scrooge and we are doing the Christmas Carol. Right. He's not that cognizant of it. But
0: in this moment, in he this is. moment yeah. he is. Yeah.
1: And the ghost walks right through that door. Mm-hmm. And Bill Murray tries to walk through the door, hits his head. Ghost pops out and says, I love that bit. <laughs> and we move inside.
0: They can't hear us. They can't see us. This is not live. It's like a rerun. Check it out.
1: And we see a pregnant mom and a kid smiling and watching The Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. And immediately Frank starts getting a little misty. Yeah. Right away. In walks Brian Doyle Murray, another of Bill, Bill Murray's, Murray's brothers. Actual brother, yeah. Yeah and gives him his Christmas present.
2: A choo-choo train? No, it's five pounds of veal.
1: What's a kid gonna do with five pounds of veal? Beal? It's a very strange... I mean, obviously, Dad is a butcher. Yeah. He was working down with Polly over at the meat place. Yeah,
0: right, and Rocky, yeah. yeah
1: um, and she's smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Wash is pregnant. Yeah, and he compl- he's not happy about the veal, and <laughs> Brian told him where his response is, or Dad's responses. is.
2: Well, then go out and get a job and buy a choo-choo. Ah, oh, Earl, he's only four years old. All day long, I listen to people give excuses why they can't work. My back hurts, my legs ache. I'm only four. sooner he learns that life isn't given to you on a silver platter, the better.
1: Because <laughs> he wants his kid to get a job. Yeah. And Mom says...
3: I'm going up. Baby, don't watch too much TV. It's bad for your eyes. Hey, Mommy. Merry Christmas, Frankie Angel. Merry Christmas to you, Mama.
1: And she walks out. Is she leaving Dad at this moment? Oh, good question. I don't think so. there's a line later in the movie yeah. about your mom leaving you. Oh. And maybe? I go like, would she just walk out on Christmas Eve? Maybe after the veal incident. I don't. I don't think she.
0: I don't think this is the moment she walked out. But you could certainly make a case because remember, he maintains a relationship with his
1: brother that's very strong. So. Yeah. You know? Well, and I get the sense that on, you know his brother
0: is in the is in the belly right now.
1: Well, and I get the sense that he, he was there for his brother yep. as it protected him on yep. some level because yep. his brother is like I'm never not standing by, right, Frank. Right, um, and Frank now, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls, Frank. Niagara Falls. Outside, Frank's pulling himself together, and really, he says, "I was just touched by the gift," <laughs> because in you know, 1988 dollars five pounds of milk fred veal that's a 50 pound, that's 50 dollars. <laughs> that's a big gift and then he would go into like that his whole life all of his real memories are from tv and he goes no what about when i played that baseball game he's like no that was a tv show Well, mm-hmm. what about when i the little girl running down the hills like that's little house on the prairie was it
2: the homecoming
1: episode of Little yes house? it was the homecoming episode a little house It's funny. And
0: this is when we had that term of, uh, we started coming into the uh, pop culture zeitgeist idea of a latchkey kid. Yeah. Right? Because people were working so much that they were putting their kids on TV, was raising the children. This is why this film is such an interesting satire bubbling underneath about the power of television and how it can replace uh, the parents and, in essence, raise your children and the dangers of what was going to come.
1: Uh, You know, 30 years from now. From that time. Well, and and the ghost response is, let's face it.
0: Let's face it, Frank. Garden slugs got more out of life than you did.
1: (laughs) And Frank goes, just take me to my office. Mm. And he does. Mm -hmm. His office in 1968. Yeah. At a Christmas party (laughs) where a woman is Xeroxing her butt. (laughs) You ever Xerox your butt? No. I I never understood. I think I might have. I Mm -hmm. think there might have been a time just i'm not 100 sure i know there was i was i was around but xeroxing oh sure and yeah (laughs) because it's a totally weird thing but the technology was so exciting i guess it's like what horrible thing can we do with this technology um and there's there had apparently been christmas parties all the time until frank took over right and there's lou no longer looking like a desiccated corpse, talking to people, lots of drinks going around, and in comes young Frank with long hair, and he's got, he's handing out the mail. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you working? It's Christmas. With what his turtleneck on? It's turtleneck. <laughs> um, and the Xerox girl hands him one of the the butt pictures and says, "Hey, let's go out. We could get Chinese food." <laughs> his response is, "I they're cutting up alley cats in Chinese food." <laughs> now. That is a classic, somewhat racist slur on, like, this is uh, a, yeah. this is, if you talk to Chinese people, right? this particular food-related thing is considered to be quite demeaning and racist. I would understand that. Well, and it's interesting, too, because if you go back a few generations earlier, they, they would talk the same way about Italian food, ah. you know, because we have always messed with whatever undisliked right. group of immigrants were seem to be other. Sure. So, anyway. Interesting. But I digress. <laughs> Um and he walks out and I love old Frank yelling at himself for not going with that girl right. and of course the ghost knows so it's like no no that's not the girl mm-hmm. this is the girl yeah and who does he run into Claire yeah yeah um once again luminescent yeah and they bump into each other they drop stuff they go down to get the stuff they bunk heads yeah he goes down alone he has a TV guide naturally because yeah. that's what he was gonna go home to do was just watch, watch TV. TV um. And there's this sort of connection that's obvious. And he says, hey, do you want to come to a Christmas party? No.
2: Young lady, do you shop here all the time. Because if you know, I can walk on the other side of the street.
1: And then finally she asks, do you want to go get some Chinese, Chinese food? food. <laughs> and the la- and-, and Frank watches all this from the taxi, smiling. Yeah. Until the Chinese food line. And then we have this. Yeah, yeah from a cat. All right. And now it's them in a relationship and they're opening presents mm-hmm. and she's in the tub. Or he wants to open the presents and she's in the tub. He tries to keep the ghost from looking in smoking a joint, by the way, in the tub. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, let's uh, you know, um,
1: it's the seventies. Yeah. And, uh, he wants to open the presents and he's given her a set of knives.
2: <laughs> I've never liked a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives.
1: <laughs> and she gives him the Kama Sutra. Yeah. Fortunately, my son did not ask what these jokes were about when we were watching <laughs> the God. Kama Sutra, but it's a funny bit.
2: Did that. Ooh. Did it. Yeah. Done this. <laughs> Done this. Buddy of mine did this. Now, this is ridiculous. I don't believe this for a second. says there's a place that you can touch a woman that'll make her bark like a I dog.
1: Just... <laughs> He's funny. I love yeah. this stuff. It's very much, I probably improv. Yeah, of course it is. And then the place of the woman that you could touch her, make her bark like a dog, to which she starts like barking like a dog. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to a dog. It's 1971. We're in a TV show with some mailman and a guy in a big dog suit comes in. And we know, of course, that that's Frank. And we cut to, you know, and and there's this thing about, what is it? It's a bone. The audience (laughs) starts yelling. And then... David Johansson stands up.
2: It's a bone, you lucky dog.
1: (laughs) Cut to commercial, and there's Lou again, who is making plans to make reservations with his attractive secretary and his wife, make a reservation for three, but your wife's in Palm Springs. Okay, just me and you then. And then decides to invite Frank and his girlfriend. Yep. Speaking of girlfriend, in walks Claire. He's really excited. We've got to go. We're going to go tonight out to dinner with the boss. And she goes...
3: Oh, no, we can't tonight. We're going to uh, David and Kate's for dinner. We planned it for a month.
1: What he pulls next is just horrible. Yep.
2: Yeah, it is Christmas. It's a time to be a little bit less selfish, you know? Maybe if you could put my needs and the needs of the Frisbee show ahead of your own needs... I mean, I have been fighting for the integrity of this show. This is the opportunity of a lifetime.
1: He manipulates her he in tries. a terrible way, yeah. He tries. He tries, yeah. Oh, uh, awful. And this is really the end of the relationship. Yeah. Because she's like, no, this is Christmas, and this happens once a year, and it's your brother, and we're, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And he puts on that head and says, I'll try to come over later if I can. And he waves as a dog, and he walks back into the show. Mm-hmm. And she says... Merry Christmas, Lumpy. Yeah, And, of course, the old Frank is watching all this. Mm -hmm. And the ghost looks at him and says, let me sum this up.
0: You don't know who you are. You don't know what you want. And you don't know what the hell is going on.
1: And he argues. He's like, no, I made a few mistakes. I got to live with that. But I know who I am. I know what's going on. And... And, of course, he's standing there completely alone. And from the monitor, the ghost says, Frank, I'm over here. (laughs) And he goes over and looks at the monitor, and he's back. And the ghost says, so long, sucker. And he's back looking at the monitor, um, looking at the Scrooge movie. And at this point, he completely loses it. Yeah.
2: I can see now no one could have been that simple and good and sweet and kind and decent, yet caring, wonderful. Not on this planet. No, baby. Not unless they had something to hide, some sort of trick up their sleeve. You wouldn't try to trick me, would you? But don't try to trick me today, because I'm back, Jack.
1: He he just starts talking to himself. No one knows what the hell he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, Buddy Hackett is over there doing that scene. And he's like, I hope you're happy with the decisions you made. I am happy. Buddy Hackett. Oh my god. This, so this is what's so so what's weird about this movie, and I can't decide if I think it's just hilarious or just think it doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. Is that it makes no sense, the choices they made in the Scrooge show, that they've invested $40 million to. Okay. With Gutty, Buddy Hackett playing Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> I mean, this is all. I mean, I guess there are terrible things. That people from the 80s, this makes sense, though. <laughs> Buddy just... works. I mean, Jackie
0: Mason is two years away from making a resurgence. <laughs> Fair. Right? Um, so in, in the 80s here, this is or one year away, really, with Caddyshack 2. But like, you have uh, here with... Uh, he's still He's still showing up on Carson... He's still doing his thing, Buddy sure. Hackett. So and I think these guys cast Buddy Hackett because he's probably one of their stand-up heroes or comedy well, and, heroes. And they,
1: and well, and this is so one of the things is, like, is the one I question. Yeah. How far do you go for the joke? Yeah. Is that is that does the joke take you out of the reality of what's making the big comedy work? Mm-hmm. And Buddy Hackett is going really far. And Jamie Farr and yeah. Mary Lou Retton, those are all going, and the solid gold dancers right, right. are going. We're making the reality here a joke. Yeah. You know, not just the other, the weird stuff that's going on. Right. Um. By the way, there are people that say, and we would never have a chance to see this, that Buddy Hackett was the funniest human in the world. Uh-huh. You know, if you went to those Vegas, you know, shows uh, in the club, that he was filthy and hilarious yep. and uh, comedians that everyone would come to see Buddy Hackett.
0: Yep. Everyone said he, he worked blue like nobody's business. Oh, yeah. Him and Red Fox were, they yeah. considered to be the filthiest comics, yet incredibly funny.
1: Yeah. Um and he talks to himself moving out. Mm-hmm. We're outside. Uh Louder Milk is just giving some blood. Yep. And he passes out. Um and Frank is talking to himself as he's walking down the street, trying to find the place where Claire works, ends up uh, in in front of it. Uh some bums come and steal Loudermilk's clothes. Mm-hmm. Frank turns and finally sees the sign, still yelling to himself, yeah. walks in, and the people working at the shelter they come think he's and, crazy. They think he's crazy. Which, him- to be clear, yeah. he is He, is, kind he of- is gone round the bend. When
2: I want a wife, I'm gonna buy one, and she's gonna be devoted to me, to my wants and my needs, not like you. Let's face it, you treated me like dirt. Oh, Lord, another wild and woolly one. Honey, you look frozen. Come over here let me get you a nice hot cup of
0: coffee. Yeah, they put blanket on
1: him. The uh, the woman comes up puts a yeah. blanket on him. they sit him down. And he starts talking. <laughs> I love And it. and he makes three immediate friends. Yep. Three homeless people. Um one of whom is uh, one of whom is Michael Pollard mm-hmm. who is oh, in Oh, Michael Pollard, right? If you look at his IMDb It's insane. He is in from the 50s yep. through he is in every single TV show mm-hmm. all to the, the one I remember for is he's from in Star Trek. He's in the right. episode Miri. Yep. Um, but he's in everything. He's in Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, he's in Bonnie and Clyde. He's in everything. Yep. And uh, Ann Ramsey from yes. The Goonies That's and right. from Throw Mama from the Train. That's right. Um, and the other guy is also, also named Ramsey. And oh. I, I don't know who he is, but he looks really familiar. Yeah, I've seen too. him in a number of things. Too. And they think that Bill Murray is Richard Burton. Yep. This is the weirdest. This had to be come up with on the set. <laughs> like, it is the weirdest thing and he's like denying it first, and then oh, he just goes into is it? a. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great! Please do us a favor. Yeah, I am not acting normally. You're coming at
2: me for me. All those who the whole matter, the senior, you know, the really by four nightfall of Cheapside. I
1: swear by the I forswear. Um, and they love it. They love it. This is fantastic. And then. Claire season. Yeah. Mommy, what a surprise. Oh, God.
2: Oh, God, Claire. Oh. What are
1: you doing here? And he kisses her and he is freaked out. Mm -hmm. And again, we're in this moment where he is vulnerable Mm -hmm. and he is about to be kind of truthful. And he's trying to talk about the past and how sad he feels about it. And she's like, oh, that's, you're talking about regret.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm talking about regret. Yeah.
3: You know, the one good thing about regret is that it's never too late. You can always change if you want to. I deal with that every day.
2: Okay, we'll deal with this. I want to take you someplace right now and eat Chinese food.
1: Which is obviously symbolic for something. And then the two women that work at the shelter come up and there's problems with fuses, Mm -hmm. turkeys, and immediately he turns. Yep.
2: Well, what about the turkeys? And the turkeys are at the A&P? Look it up in the phone book. No, no, no. It's under I, A. No, I and If ha- you can't find it there, it's under P. I have
3: to call them myself. I'll call them. You don't have to call them.
2: them. These are
1: big girls, very big girls, and they can do it. These people are incompetent. Mm-hmm. You know, fire them. He becomes, he becomes executive. Frank. Okay.
2: No, clear. Please fire these people. Fire
3: them.
2: Yeah,
1: you fire them.
3: They're volunteers. They're here out of the kindness of their heart. They're
2: volunteers because no one will pay them. They are incompetent.
1: And that turn happens. He's becomes horrible instantly. Yeah. And she's still going like, no, no, let me just deal with this. Yeah, There are people that need me, and I need to take care of this, and then I will go out with you, and I'll spend time with you. And he's just, mm-hmm. that moment has passed. Yep.
2: I'm going to give you some advice, Claire. Scrape them off.
1: Scrape them off is a brutal thing to say. Well, it comes back, too, yeah. Yeah, and he says, you want to save somebody? Save, you yourself. save yourself. Yep.
3: Oh, well, that's a wonderful attitude to have on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Bahama.
1: There it is. It's funny that bah humbug is another word that, in, you know, humbug was a word that existed before being used in the Christmas Carol, mm. but it is Scrooge. I mean, yeah, It right. comes from there. Of course. And he leaves. And one of the, I think Michael Pollard asked him for some money, and he says he blew it all on Liz. <laughs> another decision that in almost a Groundhog Day sense is going to haunt him. That's what it feels yeah. like to me is he made this decision, and it's going to be real bad. Yeah. We're back at the rehearsal. There's the dancers. Hausman is reading. Buddy Hackett is surrounded by kids. And John Glover is helping out with cue cards. And Frank glares at Glover.
2: Listen, I call the meal breaks around here. Oh, Frank, I'm sorry. Look, if it means that much to you, I'll call everybody back. And you can tell them it's time to go to dinner. Hey,
0: everybody, hold on a minute. Frank's got something to say to you.
1: And then he hands him the bullhorn. It's a great dick move. Yeah, total dick move. Um, And suddenly he's all alone on the set. And light turns off, and more lights turn off, and more lights turn off, and it's dark, and Frank calls out, and we hear bells, and there is Carol Kane. Yeah, the great Carol Kane.
2: Hi, Frank. Come on. Come on out and play with me.
1: It's funny. I kind of go, which performance do I like better, this one or Princess Bride? And it's oh. really tough for me, partially because this is so much bigger. I will always choose Taxi. Oh, Taxi's great. I mean, her yeah. and Taxi's incredible.
0: And also Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, she's really funny on that series. I didn't watch it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. She's uh she's one of my favorites. She's great. Um, and what's so she does some silly dance moves and then she there's comes in towards him and just kicks him in the balls. There's a lot of there's a lot of slapstick. Yeah, yanking it the is, lip
0: down. The which whole she apparently night.
1: pulled his lip so hard that he bled. <laughs> Like, he, she hurt him several times. Well, she probably they. thought he was a bit of a jerk. <laughs> I'm just taking it out on him. And uh, she's like, close your eyes, think of snowflakes and moonbeams. Goes for the Three Stooges eye poke, which he does the Three Stooges block. It's mm-hmm. a very good kung fu <laughs> move. Yes. Puts him, uh, an X and glitter on his cheek. Pulls back and punches him. <laughs> and now we are outside, like, on a fire escape, looking into a building. And it is Grace's family. Yeah. Having a... Uh, Yeah. And we see that kid again, Calvin, and we see the other kids try to do this, kind of get the ball in the hole kind of game, and they can't do it. And then he takes it, walks over to the window, and immediately does it. Yeah. And this is the first moment that Frank goes, oh, this kid is kind of smart. Mm -hmm. And what's wrong with him? And this is when we find out he hasn't spoken a word since he saw his father murdered in front of him. Yeah. And Frank didn't even know that Grace's husband had died.
2: Oh, Frank. Don't you remember that period when she wore black for a year? I remember her wearing black, but I thought it was a fashion thing. I mean, people were wearing black, you know.
1: Yeah, you didn't even notice. Um, and what is Calvin watching on TV? A Christmas Carol. And here's Tiny Tim say God bless
3: us. Everyone.
1: Very important for later on. Mm-hmm. And we go into the kitchen and we see there's wrestling and playing with the family and they're zerbiting each other and uh, Frank and the ghost come in through the window and she starts zerbiting him and he's laughing and this is like the first really joyful Frank that we've seen. Um, he, and then just as in the middle of the joyfulness, <laughs> she punches him. Yep. Um, and he tumbles down the stairs. She's my favorite character. <laughs> She's really funny. And Carol Kane's voice that she creates for this role is just so good. It's great. Um, and we go into um, his brother's yeah. house where they're having a party. In their plane, some kind of TV-based Trivial mm-hmm. Pursuit, and the first question is, "What did Lurch play on the Adams family?" Frank knows the answer. <laughs> it's a harpsichord, and then uh, they start talking about Frank and joking about him and the gift they got last year, which was a shower curtain, and we got the gift this year, and it's a big box. So we already right. kind of know that something is not what he said. So. Well, no, Frank gets upset because it's not, thats not what, oh, right? That's not what I don't. He was supposed to get the towel. He's the, supposed to get he, the towel. And then he's like, well, it's fine if he keeps the VCR. And then his wife, which is, I think, Wendy Malick. Yeah, Wendy Malick. Who's great. Says,
3: you invite him to Christmas dinner every year, and every year he's too busy to come. And when are you going to learn?
2: Well, never. He's, he's my brother. Oh. A toast. To my brother Frank. I wish he was here.
1: Which I think is a, it's a wonderful life right. reference yep. to the richest man in town. Absolutely. Um, and that, at that moment, he says, keep the VCR. Yeah. It's a write-off anyway. Can't resist being a jerk. And the next question comes up: what is the name of the boat that Gilligan took, yeah. took to the Gilligan's Island? I knew. Oh, I knew the name. Minnow. <laughs> it's a minnow. And of course, the next thing that happens is that the ghost of Christmas present finds a toaster. <laughs> hits him with the toaster. Knocks him down, and he is in a sewer. Yeah. A frozen sewer. Ah, oh, this is a sad moment, man. And he calls around, asks for help. Hey, get out here! out here calls for sanitation
2: hey jersey call streets and sanitation
1: calls for a cop
2: oh i'm having the weirdest day cop hey cop help me please
1: looks down sees something turns and there is michael j pollard frozen the guy he saw from the shelter frozen holding a watch and dead yeah it is brutal yeah this is the moment that freaked my son out. Oh, wow. He's the frozen dead guy. Okay. That's like he, that that wigged him out. Wow. Um, not the... Not the guys coming out not of... Not the Ghost of Christmas? Nope. That's hilarious. No, he thought okay. that was funny. Okay. Um, that didn't bother him at all. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's trying, like Herman, like, what happened? And he tries to be Dick, and yeah. he talks about Liz, and...
2: Jesus, give me a happy ending here, Herm. Come on, man.
1: That goes, maybe I should have given you the two bucks. And... Then he gets angry. He gets angry at him. Yeah. Why didn't you stay with Claire?
2: You moron. You jerk. Why didn't you stay with Claire? Why didn't you stay with Claire? She would have taken care of you. You would have eaten. You would have been warm. You might be alive. You'd be a prettier color. I'll tell you that.
1: And who's he talking to? He's talking to himself at this uh, moment.
0: Uh, that's what the gr- it's a great thing about this movie, Steve. Is yeah, he's a jerk at the beginning. He's a jerk, but like as you go through his story, you start to understand and sympathize with him because he had a terrible upbringing with that father who was so was cold and distant. Uh, you know, he what he went through trying to get ahead. He thought you know this is he was so desperate to to get ahead and be in a position of power because his father instilled him in that bullshit about like you know you got to work all the time. So all of it. It's just built in from the beginning. But he has these moments of real honest emotion and real vulnerability around Claire. And then this moment here when he is yelling, this is yeah. this is a window into what we're going to see dramatically from Bill Murray later in right. life. And it's fantastic to watch this moment. It's so real and powerful. It takes
1: you forget that this is a comedy. In this moment, it feels like a little bit of a drama. Well, and this is, I think. He knew he was making the wrong choices when he was making those choices. Yes. He knew he should have stayed mm-hmm. with Claire. Mm-hmm. He, knew, he knew it. Yep. And yet he had to get what he had to get, yep. you know. Um, and he sees this door and he slams into it. and He slams it again and he crashes through into the set. Like- and he hits a barrel and the barrel rolls into the sensor. It's another physical gag on our poor sensor. <laughs> you think we could get away with
0: that? No, we couldn't get away
1: with that. I don't think so. There's
0: so much violence towards her as a female yeah. through the whole movie.
1: We couldn't get away with it. There's a lot that we couldn't get away with. Sure. I mean, there's a lot Fair. of stuff that's like, Fair. you know. Yeah. And of course, they go like, oh my God, you know, where did he come from? And he's trying to get away, and they want to send him up to the office. And he's like, no, go supervise the satellites or something. Heads over to the elevator, and who's coming out of the elevator but the ghost, ghost of, of Christmas, Christmas future. future right.
2: He's here for me. Come on. All right. Come on. Come on to me. You think I'm afraid of you? The day I've had, I know what you came for. Come and get it, you
1: He Gets on his knees. He gets on his knees. And, of course, Cross, John Glover comes up. was like, no, that's our Ghost of Christmas future. He's a great guy. And he realizes, oh, he's in the show. Right. And now, now it's like right before the show. And everyone's practicing. Mary Lou Retton does a little tumbling run and says, God bless us, everyone. We see this really nice shot of Bill in his office through the window who's yeah. drinking. And then we have this montage of directors calling uh, for cameras, John Hausman is narrating. Uh, we see the uh, Robert Mitchum who wants to get in a beer because he's gonna sit down and watch the show. We see the dormice. we see Buddy Hackett. Mm. We see who is watching the TV in the boss's house, but the cats. Cats, yeah.
2: You see, works like a child.
1: And Bill is alone with his drink and he pulls out his one present and it's his framed picture of him and his brother Mm -hmm. to Frank, the best brother a boy ever had, Merry Christmas. And he drinks and there's multiple monitors showing singing Christmas carols. And then all of a sudden, Buddy Hackett is thanking the ghost of Christmas present (laughs) who says,
2: You shall be visited by the final spirit, the thing that all men fear the most, the ghost of Christmas future.
1: And then we see that ghost move in on Buddy Hackett, and Frank drinks, and the real ghost comes up on those monitors. I think the shot is really cool. Oh, it's incredible. It's a really cool shot of our ghost of Christmas future. And then a hand comes reaching out for him, and right when we think it's going to get him, Loudermilk comes in with a shotgun. Honey, I'm home. Totally unexpected, completely out of our Christmas Carol story.
3: Hello, Rabbit.
2: Would you give me a running start? Sure. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. Oh my God. My babies.
1: All <laughs> right. It's a weird chasing.
2: Oh, you better what? Can't you get back to me on this after the holidays? I've had a bad day. You had a bad day. Let me tell you a little bit about my day. I got fired. My wife left me. She took a little
1: baby daughter with her. Yeah, this all happens pretty quickly. Yeah. Louder milk. His wife must not have been the best. Yeah, right? I mean, honestly, could you listen to Bobcat Goldthwaite's voice also? That's time? true. I agree with that. It's funny hearing him interviewed because that isn't really his voice, nope. but there is a, a little bit of that. Well, it's like putty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not his full um, real voice. Yeah, um, he continues to fire at him, and he starts singing, "You better watch out." <laughs> um, and uh, Frank's ringing for the elevators. He's uh, louder. Milk is reloading, um, singing, making a list, checking <laughs> it twice. The, he, he screams just as the elevator door opens, and he looks up, and there mm-hmm. is the real ghost of Christmas future. But this time, he doesn't believe it. Nope. Classic comedy setup. Yep. He goes, "Oh, it's you." creep god aren't you supposed to be in the studio we're on the air
2: hey back off big man that may work with the checks, but not with me
1: may i and he opens up the cloak and there are like the lost souls inside his body <laughs> um and his face is like a tv screen and suddenly he's in this weird triangular room and he yeah. moves into this room with padded walls and there is grace visiting calvin who's in a straitjacket heartbreaking man really bad he's back out in the hallway and now he's no he knows what's good now he yeah. has figured out okay this is just like possible futures this is doable i know the head of pediatrics i'm all over this and now he's with a bunch of rich ladies mm-hmm. and there is claire yeah. dressed with white makeup and a super hoity-toity dress at some restaurant and poor kids outside and she wants to get rid of them
3: gil who the are you looking for? Look at those filthy little creatures Oh, Oh, Claire. Claire, Claire, Claire Claire, Claire, they're just children Please, darling, don't tell me I wasted 20 years of my life on pathetic little creatures like those Finally, thank God, a friend of mine said to me Scrape them off, Claire You want to save somebody Save yourself
1: Okay, here's the thing about this. Yeah. I don't believe this at all. What do you mean? Claire would never become this person. No, 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 but it's in his it's a po- future possibilities,
0: right? Well, it's this is the thing.
1: It's like futures. is this a dream mm. is that what I believe the classic Christmas Carol is is this is what happens if he doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Claire will become this. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Claire would ever become this person. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that quite makes sense in the way Christmas Carol is supposed to work.
0: Did you ever think Dennis Miller was going to be a crazy raving was it conservative Republican? People, People change point.
1: man. He, he already was a conservative Republican. People change man.
0: People Or Geraldo, do. who was a fucking ultra liberal. People change. It's true. It's true. But I,
1: just, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't think she'd ever become well, this. It, here, what's interesting, but I think it's to show what he would be. Yeah, I th- I mean, I'd not say that it doesn't work in the movie, but it isn't yeah. I don't think it's the best version of what of 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 these moments and now the next place we end oh and there's a moment of him kind of saying i'm sorry yeah and then they cut to her and she's crying um because and it's a weird moment Mm -hmm. you know i think she's crying because it's what because she's deeply unhappy yes that this life is she's taken on is not actually the old life with all the Pain and the suffering mm-hmm. and dealing with all the people who are in need, that's what made her happy. And being somewhat poor, here she's rich, it looks like, yeah. but incredibly unhappy. Yeah. And now we're at a funeral and there's a big fire in this gray, austere set and there's a there's a casket and there is uh, Wendy. And the first reaction is, oh no, it's James. It's yeah. his brother. Oh, And then in walks James. Yeah. Not James. And he realizes, of course, that it's him. And that he has died, and that it's him in the coffin, and the coffin is going into the fire. And I think this scene is really, really well done. Oh, yeah. Really scary, because you see the legs, and the legs start to burn. Bill and Murray's going Murray fire. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is a really, really scary. And he's going, I want to live. I want to live.
2: Oh, God! I want to live! live!
1: And the elevator opens, and he's alive. I want to live! So I want to just say one thing again. I think that scene is great. But it's different from what happens in Scrooge because right. what happens in Scrooge, it's not about him wanting to be alive, right. saving his own life. It's that he sees that after he's dead, all the people who hated him yeah. and how little his life meant because people are just dividing up his crap. Yep. And that's and he's like, oh, my life, all this, why was I saving? Because it also relates to being cheap. Is like, what was I doing saving all that money? And yeah. all, what was I... What was I trying to do? My life ended up being meaningless. Not, oh no, I don't want to die. And this moment is, oh no, I don't want to die. And that is morally fundamentally different. I think the scene is great. Mm -hmm. And particularly the the fire coming up his legs Mm -hmm. in the coffin, and Bill Murray's performance is really good, but it doesn't uh, do the same thing that the Christmas Carol moment does. Mm. Interesting, okay. Elevator door opens, he's alive. Mm-hmm. He is happy he's alive. Mm-hmm. He's thrilled to be alive. There's still a dude trying to kill him. Yeah, right. Again, not the same as Christmas Carol. And now, what he does to turn louder milk around is bizarre and hilarious and funny. Yeah. All
2: right, here's the deal I hire you back twice your original salary. I make you my vice president in charge of programming. And I give you an office up here. Would you like my office? No, I don't like your office.
1: <laughs> He's like, let's go downstairs. This is going to be so much fun. And I, he kind of gets Loudermoke to go yep. along. Well, doubling your salary helps. Yeah, it would help for me. Uh, although I don't think he was being paid very well in the first place. you so. right. Good point. We're back to the set of Scrooge. And Buddy Hackett is waking up on Christmas morning <laughs> asking for the biggest goose in London, as you do. And he tosses down a coin to get that goose. And who catches it? Frank. Pink. Yeah. yeah and suddenly like holy crap it's frank cross yeah and there's a bit of a panic and and the people in the studio are going what do we cut to we got to do something and who walks into the control room but loudermilk Louder with yeah. the gun and the boss is watching he's upset he's upset yeah frank calls up to loudermilk how are you doing
2: wonderful but um i don't think you're going to be president tomorrow I At least I am the president uh, of the network tonight. Tomorrow morning, I may not be. You can uh, bet your Aunt Susie's that ass can on that.
1: <laughs> and he says, why are you watching television?
2: They're paying your salary, you ass! We got and what one 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 kind one, of, one, a, of a, a rat bastard idiot would schedule a live show on a Christmas Eve?
1: And I love that the cameraman says,
2: Only you, Frank. <laughs> and he goes, normally I would
1: fire you, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then this speech, and I don't know how I'm going to edit around this. I don't know how Just I'm going to. Just the whole thing. I mean, it's so it's like minutes long, but yeah. it is so
0: good. It's a great. Dude, it is one, in my opinion, it is one of the top ten
1: speeches ever delivered on film. I can't put it in. I can't imagine that I would put it in the top ten, but it's really good. Ever delivered on film because it's one of the most authentic deliveries
0: of a speech I've ever seen. I agree with that. At times where I don't think this is frank i think this is bill murray i don't think this is scripted i can't tell it's incredible i think it is just he's just going on and he brings himself to legitimate authentic tears by the time he's done with that speech it's incredible what he talks about and what he goes on about it what he's trying to tell you the actual message of christmas
1: right it's so incredible well and and here's the thing i would say that if this speech was not in this movie we wouldn't be talking about it on the cinema absolutely All the stuff we talked about was fun 80s comedy Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. And some really good fun 80s comedy Mm -hmm. stuff But nothing particularly blow my mind special Right I think this speech is blow my mind special It is amazing And I was crying when this is going on I was just like tears are coming down my face Mm -hmm. Because what he's expressing about love and about family And that's who you should be with And you should go call your college roommate And all all the things he goes off on are so great Yeah and in the midst of all these things that are going on, I will go through some of the things that are happening. Like he turns at one moment to the camera and talks about his brother James. Yeah. He holds up that picture.
2: Look, I got a great brother. Look at this guy here. My brother James. Look how cute he was back then. Oh, oh. 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 And look at me with the, the ears, the taxi driving down the street with the doors open. Thank God my hair growing, huh? <laughs> Not yet. I got this for Christmas today from him. I gave him a towel. The VCR is from Grace, James.
1: And they're really touched because we cut to the family and James and his family who just had been talking about how he didn't care about them.
2: You were right about everything. okay?
1: not only does he say how much he cares about them, but he also says the answer to the question was the S.S. Minnow. Right.
2: The S.S. Minnow. No points this round, James.
1: And they go. "Uh, How did he
0: know that? But I think it's more of what he admits that. Grace got him the VCR. He wanted to give yeah. the towel, and it's him fully admitting. Yep. It. And he says, "You were right about everything."
1: He yep. says it to his brother, "You were right about everything." The boss call, call, calls down to get him fired. He's like, "Who put that idiot on the on the air?" And louder milk goes, "It was Bryce Cummings, yeah. who they have now tied up, yes. and who is suddenly interested in him." But the censor looks over at him. Yeah, at which point there's a moment where. He's talking about Christmas traditions, Frank is, and there's some mistletoe hanging (laughs) over a very beautiful, solid Solid gold dancer. (laughs) And he's obviously legally required. It's like a federal law to give her a kiss, which he does. And it was good, but it wasn't great.
2: There has only been one great.
1: (laughs) And as he starts talking about her, we cut to who's watching, but Claire and everyone at the shelter.
2: There is a girl that I wish I were with tonight. It's a girl that I, I loved a long time ago girl that i still love it's christmas eve it's not too late is
1: it and this speech and the reaction when he says
2: claire do you remember, oh. do you remember?
1: and the reaction from the shelter is just awesome but does he make a little and he makes a little like a dirty s-
0: yes yeah, he talks jokes, about the kama yeah. sutra yeah, yeah it's so great
1: um because they're like "Ooh, claire and she runs out and she goes to a cab and says
3: can you get me to the IBC building in 3 minutes
1: <laughs> and our ghost says
0: which floor yeah
1: which that, floor that's awesome <laughs> and now bill murray is singing la 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 la
2: we should be taping
1: this and he goes
2: Eve, I'm telling you, I'm not crazy. It's Christmas Eve. It's the it's one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We, we, we smile a little easier. We, 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 we cheer a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. It's really a sort of a miracle, because it happens every Christmas Eve. And if you waste that miracle... You're going to burn for it. I know what I'm talking
1: about. <laughs> my, my note here is just play speech.
2: You have to do something. You have to take a chance. Y- you do have to get involved. There are people that are having having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. And if you if you give... Then then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. If you believe in this spirit thing, the miracle will happen. And then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life. And it can happen to you. I don't. I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. Uh, and I, it's great. It's a good feeling. It's it's really better than I have felt in a long time. I I I'm ready. Have a merry Christmas, everybody.
0: This one gets me every time. Is it's that, great when he gets into that area of the speech. Like I'm yeah. getting emotional now talking about it. And I would argue that this is who Frank actually is. Yep. This moment. The kid who asked for the choo-choo is the kid that believed in miracles and possibilities totally. dreams. And it was crushed out of him by, by, feel. Bad, parenting, by feel bad parenting and situations. And so it's like, this is who Frank actually is. And he remembers in this moment yeah. what it was to have childlike innocence and wonder and believe in the world again. Yep. And it was so great. And he's
1: having this moment. And then... He says he kind of finishes it, and yeah. he says, "I'm ready. Have a merry Christmas, everybody." Right. But he's not quite done. Nope. Because next to him is Calvin. Yeah, man. And and he goes, looks down at Calvin,
0: and says, "Did I forget something, big man? Big man. I love that he's the way he says it. Yeah. I, it's so, it's so respectful from the way he talked True. to him before, before. So disrespectful. He so he like it becomes submissive in this moment to him. Did I forget something, big man? Yeah. And Calvin says,
1: God bless."
0: And Alfred Wood's reaction
1: to the clap, yeah. oh, such Great. a genuine, authentic reaction from a mom in that moment. And then, if that weren't enough to make you cry, who is standing there behind the, the camera? Claire. Claire. And I love that <laughs> she's there, and he brings her in yeah. in front, and she doesn't want to go. Nope. And of course, we get a little joke that's something like it's like boating a Marlin. <laughs> um, and then he introduces Claire. Yeah.
2: Clear the whole world. Whole world clear.
1: And he puts on that hat.
2: And they lived happily ever after.
1: (laughs) And the kiss. And then we go into Put a Little Love in Your Heart. Yeah. Great song. It's great. Great remake. Yeah, and, and, and we go around to everybody singing this song. And we check in with the security guards and John Houseman and the censor who has now made moves on uh, yeah. John Glover. On John Glover yeah. because of the mistletoe. And we go back to the shelter and we're back to Bill, who's walking towards cam- camera, who says, and again, I don't yeah. like this, feed me Seymour. <laughs> it's weird to be referencing this <laughs> the, other movie. Little Horrors. It's a little weird. I think it came out around the same time. I, I think it, it must have been. Yeah. I would think it's like a year or two earlier, but not yeah, much. Yeah. Um and and then he's talking to camera. He's like, let's hear from this side. Let's hear from the other side. Yeah. Just the men. All, the, all right, the real men. Yeah. All right, the women. Uh, the <laughs> real women. Um, you know who you are. And then we hear... My brother, the king of Christmas. And that is the end of Scrooge. Mm-hmm. So it's a moderate hit. You know, it does okay. And like a lot of things, we've been, it seems like lately we've been talking about the sleepers a lot. Mm -hmm. And this is another one that became a perennial classic in a way that nobody thought it would. Like, you know, we understand why it's a wonderful life and Miracle on 34th Street is gonna come back every year. And even things like Christmas or A Christmas Story comes Mm -hmm. back every year. But the fact that Scrooge does, It's really, really interesting, and I think it's because we want kind of the darker, sicker story a little bit. Well, and I think that's
0: why It's a Wonderful Life Works, too. That's about suicide. That's a dark movie, absolutely. And it didn't do well either. It didn't do that great in the box office and became a classic later on in its existence. Same thing here. I mean, I think those are the things that that you really just enjoy about Christmas, and it really
1: captures it in in Scrooge. Yeah. Um, It gets mixed reviews. Yeah. It had one Oscar nomination for Makeup. Which it lost to Beetlejuice, correctly so. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Correctly so. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give my final thoughts first. Okay. Uh, because I, this is, I think, a really special movie to you, so I'll mm-hmm. give you the extra oh, time. that's very kind. Um, but here, here's what I, was, what I was thinking about, is that, yes, it's dark. Yes, he's a horrible person. But in order to have the moment that I cried at the end, he had to be a horrible person Mm -hmm. in the movie, Mm -hmm. is that you need contrast. Is that something that people don't understand about movies, particularly today, I think. It's like, well, this character has to be likable. We have to, they have to be a good person or we're not gonna watch them. It's like, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. They have to be interesting. And what Bill Murray does in that final speech, there's just so much truth and honesty and love and joy, and I'll say spirit of Christmas, That it's gonna hit me every single time. Yeah. How about you? It's a film that I come back to all the time every
0: Christmas, for two for for, for a myriad of reasons, but two really big reasons, and that is. Bill Murray is a guy that I think now in our pop culture has become so revered and beloved. You say Bill Murray and people have a reaction oh, yeah. now. And so this is the beginning of that Bill Murray coming into mm. our consciousness sure. at this in this way. And it is such a fantastic performance from him. And then overall, you have this vibe of this movie that doesn't pull any punches with how much of a jerk this guy Frank actually is. He No point are you ever... Uh, lulled into a sense of cheering for this guy, no. and and that's a brilliant thing about the movie. It's such, it's such an incredible film that shows you a jerk, a guy you shouldn't like, a guy you should hate, a guy who probably reminds you of your own boss. And then he has the epiphany, he has that moment. And when he has the moment, the authenticity. It's inc- It's one of the most unique experience you will have on film watching this movie because of that authentic, emotional, probably improv. Last speech that Bill Murray delivers when they talk about crossing the lines between reality and fiction, this is what they mean. This speech, and it is the re- and Steve is right. This is the reason to watch the movie. Getting to this speech, yep. uh, and it is everything that you want it to be. And then you have this incredibly beautiful love story between Bill Murray and Carol, who've never forgotten their feelings for each other, and never got married because they both knew that was their one, and without their one they couldn't exist right. fully in the world yeah. and they get drawn back to each other and that's the hope of christmas it's the hope to be to find love or to be in love is to be loved whether it's by a in a relationship or it's by your family or your friends it is the it is love and that's what this whole i think this whole movie is about is love at christmas and how to discover it and the possibility and the hope at christmas that you can and that you just might and it's so beautiful in that way and not just love You know, for it's love for your fellow man as well or fellow woman as well. And that is the beauty of the message at the end of the movie. And that Tiny Tim moment will break you in half every time you watch it because it's so authentic. And that kid actor is so brilliant with the way he looks up and then he whispers the line. Yeah. He whispers the out of respect. He whispers the line instead of shouting it. He whispers it, and it's so great. So everything about the movie is just so pitch perfect for me, from top to bottom. It's a lot of fun with real characters actually supporting this movie. And so that's that's why I love so much.
1: That's great. So... Uh, that's what we think of Scrooge. I hope I hope you uh, will love it as much as we do. And if you did, tell us on our Facebook page at The Cinephiles. And if you didn't, you can tell us that too. <laughs> um, you could also subscribe to the show on iTunes or on YouTube, Stitcher, and a whole bunch of other places. Please review, leave reviews on iTunes, comments on YouTube, uh, visit our website, cinephiles.net, buy a whole bunch of movies there and anything else you want to buy from Amazon. You can also stream movies there through Amazon Prime. You can become a supporter of the show on Patreon, patreon.com the cinephiles, and you can reach me on Twitter at SR Morris. John, where can they reach you? You can always
0: reach me uh, at the Roca Says on Twitter or on Instagram, and uh, I'll be having some uh, eggnogs, some uh, Christmas <laughs> cookies, you know, uh, doing my own thing there in Virginia. Uh, so it'll be nice to be going home for the first time in two years, and I guarantee you, Mom and I and uh, my girlfriend will sit and watch Scrooge while we're there. So definitely let us know what you thought. And I want to say something. You know, I know this isn't 100% the last episode of this year, but I do want to say since it's Christmas, thank you to all you all of the fans who listen to us and support us and leave us comments and tweet at us and do all the things that you do because I get because those are the things that keep us going on this show and keep us enjoying doing the show for you all. And to see how it's grown from when we started it as a pitch from Steve to do you wanna do this thing to where it is now. It's been really incredible. And none of it could have happened without any of you. Uh, listening to us and any of you followers and fans of us, you
1: guys are our Christmas presents every week. So thank you so much. Here, here, And so happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hope all you cinephiles have a happy new year and we will see you next time.